Welcome to Calvary Temple Church Podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. You'll find reference scripture and discussion questions for this sermon in the episode description. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, there's, this has been quite a week in our nation. I understand that. It's a time when the world is looking and we have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things that are being said, that are being written, that are being blogged right now about the current election and about the situation in America. But I want you to know, I believe God has a good word for us. Amen? God's got this, people. And I want we've been sharing for months about following Jesus, a life like none other. Well, I want to share today about following Jesus and finding peace with God. I came across a couple recent blogs in the last couple days from the Billy Graham Association, and they were saying this, that with so much division that's affecting the nation, uh, you may be wondering what's next for America. What will happen with the economy, with, with health care, education, national security? How will our new leaders handle issues of morality? How will your life change? You know, anxiety can be crippling. It's interesting, a couple weeks, two, three weeks ago, I preached about how God wants to give peace into our hearts and not live in anxiety by, by rejoicing in Him and prayer and get right thinking and good models. But anxiety can be crippling in our lives. And maybe you're watching online today or maybe even here today and and you're feeling empty or hurt or your heart aches. Maybe you're filled with fear or frustration because you don't have the answers. People, there's one who does. Amen? And if you're nervous about what comes next for America, remember, God's got this. He can use whoever is in power to accomplish his will, and he wants us to trust him, regardless of the results of things that go on around us. We see it all the way through the Word. I want to unpack all that today, but we've seen God use incredible, ungodly people and situations. God can use anyone because he's God. Amen? Amen. And the same God can give you peace no matter what's going on around you, through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, we can have an incredible peace. So we've been in this Gospel of Mark for months. It's a great word for us, and this word is so relevant even for our day. I was noticing that the Gospel of Mark begins on a really high note. John the Baptist has been preaching and and baptizing uh, many people, and it seems like there's a great revival uh, that's going on as people are looking for the Messiah. N- notice here in Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark's saying, this is how it started, and it's really, it's still going on, but that's another message, maybe part of this one. But anyway, it says, it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Then it says this, this was his message. John said, after me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What a great message. People, it was, it's like there's revival. You see all these people coming out from Jerusalem and around Judea and Galilee and all these areas coming to be baptized, turning to the Lord, repenting of their sins. People, this would be a high day. Can you imagine watching all of those multitudes in the group, the, the crowds that were there? I mean, this is exciting. And they're talking and they're looking for a Messiah. And on one of those days, Jesus, unknown to the crowd, stepped out and he too was baptized by John to identify with us and as his people. And when Jesus came up out of the water, God sent him, uh, there was a, the form of, the, of a dove like the Holy Spirit coming down, filling, saturating Jesus' life and God saying to Jesus, you're my son. I'm pleased in you. Well, this was a difficult day in the time period it was. Rome, remember, was in power, and I won't go through all of that, but you talk about a brutal, ungodly nation. You get out of line there, you end up on a cross. You get out of line there, you get beat. It was a totalitarian, brutal kind of empire, and Rome was over the nation of Israel at that time. And they're living under that. They've got revival going on, but it's under the power and the thumbs of Rome and even under the religious leaders. It was not an easy day. We read that after Jesus, he was baptized. He went into the desert. He spent time. He was tested, but he'd come out full of the Holy Spirit and power of the Holy Spirit. But suddenly the tide in that day seemed to change because John was arrested by Herod. We read that in the other Gospels and other places here. And John was arrested and put in prison. What do you do after that? We've got this great revival going on, and the leader of it's been taken and put in prison. And we know he will eventually be put to death under Herod. What do you do in that kind of an oppressive situation? And we see in verse 14, after John was put in prison... Everybody ran away and hid. No. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Let that sink in. Jesus came on the scene in a very difficult place and dark hour proclaiming the good news of God that he's here. And he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then we see Jesus walking uh, various places along there. See a Galilee, saw Simon, we know him as Peter, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake for their fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. And he did the same things with James and John and called them. And they also left everything to follow Jesus. 
people, this is an amazing thing. Yeah, the, the tide may have changed, but people, the gospel, the good news was being preached, and Jesus was going around and ministering to people. Lives were being changed. Crowds were gathering to hear Jesus. They were, this is an exciting day. Crowds are there. They're listening to the word that he's teaching. Miracles are happening. Lives are being restored. Healings are taking place. God is being glorified. Jesus ministered in the synagogues. He ministered in various areas and settings all around Galilee. You remember the Sermon on the Mount. We remember various places, both in the synagogues and out. There were crowds gathering around Jesus. They would follow him as he would go from place to place. Uh, they were just looking. They were thronging around Jesus. But I noticed not only was the gospel, the good news preached to crowds, but it was also preached to individuals. And you know that's the way that many, maybe most people, hear the good news of Jesus Christ, even in our day, is through individuals, through you and I telling them. In John chapter 1, you can look at these passages later in John chapter 1 and 29 through, through 51, we find John the, the Baptist there, and we pick that, that idea up of where he's been preaching and, and uh pointing out Jesus. What's interesting here is that in John, after Jesus was baptized, the next day he sees Jesus coming toward him and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist recognized who Jesus is, he'll go on to say he's the very son of God. But he recognized he's the one that would be like the sacrificial lamb that would once for all pay the price for our sin and take the sin of the entire world on himself as an offering and sacrifice to God. And John's looking at him. And the next day after that, again, he has two of his disciples with him. And, and John says, that's the lamb of God. And the disciples that day are Andrew, and another one's not named, likely it's John uh, the Apostle, we don't know. But anyway, these two disciples, said they went and checked out Jesus. And they began to spend time with him, and Jesus is teaching. They go to where Jesus was staying that day. And then notice this, verse 41, the first thing Andrew did, he goes from there, finds his brother Simon which we'll know as Peter. And he says, we found the Messiah. That's the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him. He says, you're Simon, but you're going to be called Cephas, which means Peter, a rock. Jesus saw something in him. And Jesus began to minister. And the next day, Jesus calls Philip to come and follow him. And Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. And he brings him to Jesus. And he tell, Philip tells Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. He's coming out of, out of Galilee and, and out of Nazareth. And, 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 and Philip is saying, well, or Nathaniel says, well, can anything good come out of there? And, and he says, just come check it out. Just come check it out. That's what we need with Jesus. Come check him out. And so Nathaniel goes with Philip, and as he's coming up, Jesus says, you are somebody in whom there's great integrity. There's no guile in you. He says, how do you know who I am? He says, I saw you when you were standing under the tree watching me. He says, only God could do that. You've got to be God. You've got to be the son. Wow, you're the Messiah. 
Jesus said, you're going to see greater things than that. Jesus has a way to minister to individual people and share the gospel. And we could go on and on of how people going and bringing people to Jesus. But Jesus himself, remember he ministered to Nicodemus, this religious Pharisee in John 3, and talked to him about what it means to be born again, to have a life from the Father. He talked to a Samaritan woman at the well, one that was an outcast that others would, would pass by, and Jesus shared the good news with her. She got so excited, her life got so changed, she went from there, and she began then to tell others, and you got the, the community coming out, many in that area getting saved. People was amazing. We could go on and on. There's a lot of examples of Jesus talking and ministering to various individuals. But it goes through the book of Acts. We find Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. We find others talking to individuals, not just crowds. The gospel is being ministered to individuals. Why? Because God cares about people. He cares about you. He cares about me. Times were not, were not ideal for preaching the gospel during the time of Christ, and when we go into the book of Acts, it's like the tide began to turn against the church. As the church began to grow, persecution arose. People began to scatter. What do you do with all of that? And the church, uh, they, they often faced opposition. They faced persecution. Some of them began to be martyred and, and give their lives for the cause of Christ. How did the church respond? When we find Paul led a group of believers to our group of people to know the Lord in the church in Philippi, a Roman colony. And after his second missionary, actually after his third missionary journey, when Paul's in prison, he writes back to this church. They also are facing persecution. They're facing hardship. And when Paul writes this letter, as I've been sharing in more recent days, he's writing from a Roman prison. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die for sure. And he's encouraging them to live for Jesus, to rejoice in the Lord. I love that about Paul. And he shares how his very circumstances there in a Roman prison has not stopped the gospel from going out, from advancing. He said it's actually advanced the gospel. You say, how could that happen? Because Paul was being guarded by the Roman Praetorium Guard. It's the highest guard in all of Rome. And they're probably about 12-hour shifts or something like that. And they would come in, and you don't hear Paul going, oh, man, I wish I could just get some time to myself. Would you go away, leave me? alone, you know, and just down in the molly grubs. No, you can almost see Paul going, bless the Lord, I got, a, I got a captive audience for the next 12 hours. And he led many, many of them to Jesus Christ. And then this guard is shipped out all over the Roman Empire. And Paul's saying the gospel is going places I couldn't even get. The gospel is being advanced in the very palace area of Rome and, and throughout this area. God's word is going out and lives are being changed. And I rejoice. Paul is saying to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. And Paul encourages these Philippians that they too would keep on preaching the gospel. Keep looking to Jesus. He says, you know, you're in a way, and I want us to get this today. He says, particularly to this church in Philippi, you're dual citizens. You, you're, you're, you're thankful, you appreciate the citizenship, being citizens of Rome, because you're from the colony of Philippi. 
But he says, you know, you have a greater citizenship. It's the citizenship of heaven. Wow. And it calls us as believers to live out the citizenship in heaven and the citizenship in the world around us. That's what it means to be dual citizens. Make a difference in the world around us, but do it in a way that brings glory and honor to the Lord and points people to Jesus. That's our highest priority. So Paul writes in Philippians 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, notice this, most of the brothers and sisters have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. People, our calling, the church's priority as followers of Jesus Christ is to seek to advance the gospel. That's our, that's our mission. That's our calling. No matter what's going on in the world around us, we're called to make Jesus known. Amen? And secondly, we're to live as citizens of heaven in such a way that people can look at us and clearly see the gospel being lived out. They can, they can see it. They can hear it. They can see Jesus in us. That's what dual citizenship is here in our country and in heaven. But our priority is the heavenly one. That's the eternal one. Isn't that exciting? So Paul goes on with these believers in verse 27. He says, whatever happens, let that sink in. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wow. Paul says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. People, when we walk and live with peace in our heart and don't give in to fear and live with a boldness and a confidence in the Lord, that's going to say something to others. Paul says it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I love that. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves. Live like citizens of heaven. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. People, this gospel brings peace and it changes life. That's why we're about proclaiming the gospel. That's what we're called to do is get the new good news of Jesus out to others because this gospel is the power of God for salvation, Paul says in Romans 1.16. As we noted earlier, if we're nervous about what's coming next for America, just stop and think. God has this. The election hasn't turned out like a lot of people wanted. God's got it. But he wants us to trust him regardless. No matter what's going on around us, people, God can give us peace, can give you peace through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. 
The world may be chaotic, but Jesus offers a peace that surpasses all of that. Aren't you thankful for that? Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. People, the kind of peace that Jesus gives is beyond anything we've ever known in the natural. It doesn't come from any person. It doesn't, any person in power. It doesn't come from any kind of political legislation. It's a peace that begins in our heart, and it can be yours today. It can be mine. Thankful for that. And if you'll come to the piano, please. People can begin your journey to peace today. Whether you're here or you're online with us, I want to share something that comes out of the Billy Graham Association about how to have steps to peace with God. First of all, understand, God loves you. He has a plan for you. God loves you. He has a plan for you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world. Put your name there. God so loved Billy. God so loved Sarah. God so loved, put your name there, that he gave his only one, his one and only son, his only son, Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in him should not perish, not go to hell, but have eternal life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. A life that's filled and full of his purposes. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves me. People, this is amazing. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He loved the world so much, he died for us. He took our place on Calvary. But here's the problem. We're sinful. Every one of us are stinking Wretches, we are sinful. I'm not talking about just a little bit. Oh, I had a bad thought. I slipped up and said, said a wrong thing. No, we are incredible sinners bound in sin, headed for hell, separated from God. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The result of sin, according to Romans 6.23, is death. It's a spiritual separation from God. Not just physical death, but spiritual separation. But the good news is this. Jesus came preaching the good news that God sent his son to die for your sins and my sins. Jesus died in our place so we could have a relationship with God. So that we could be with him forever. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. People at our worst, at our farthest plate from God, he died for us. But people, it didn't end with Christ's death on the cross. He rose again the third day, and he still lives. 
1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He triumphed over death. He triumphed over the grave. He triumphed over everything that could bring us down and separate us. People, God loved us and sent his son. And Jesus is the only way to God. This is so important. You know, it's amazing that there are a lot of people who even name the name of Christ that still think it's that there's a lot of ways to get to God. Jesus died for us people because he is the only way. There is no other way to be saved. May that grip our hearts. There is no other way to be saved and to have eternal life except through Jesus Christ. He's the author of peace. He's the giver of life. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, he said, comes to the Father except by me. So I ask you today, you're watching, you're here, say, I don't know if I'm really ready, right with God. I want you to know, would you like to receive God's forgiveness? There are people who feel like I've done too much. I've sinned too much. I'm beyond the reach. People, no one is beyond the reach of God. No one has sinned so much that God can't forgive and change hearts. And I wish I had time to tell of so many testimonies. Paul himself wrote and says, I was the worst of sinners, but God got a hold of me. You can't earn salvation. No one can. We're saved totally by God's grace, putting our faith in him. Have faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All we have to do is believe. That doesn't mean I've got some kind of a mental assent. It means I'm really invested in this. I believe, I understand, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that Jesus Christ died for my sins and ask him for his forgiveness. Believe that he died for me and he will forgive me. And then the Bible says to turn from our sins, turn from going our own way, turn from living a life of sin, turn from being all about me to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's repentance. That's repentance. Jesus Christ knows you. He knows everything about you and me. He knows every word that we're going to say before we say it. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything we've done. He knows us and he loves us. But he wants to change our heart and bring forgiveness and bring life. If you'd like to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I want to invite all of us to pray this prayer with me today. And if you'll pray this prayer, you'll pray it from your heart sincerely. Jesus Christ will forgive you, make you a new person. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son, the Savior. I believe that he died for my sins and that you raised him to life again. I want to trust you, Lord Jesus, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I want to follow you with all my life from this day and this moment forward. Lord Jesus, guide my life. Help me to do your will. And I just pray and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.